We're going to be in Hebrews 11 as we continue our called out series and, and uh, as this, the series and section of just hearing God's voice rather than the contrary voices of culture. And uh, remember, last week we looked at the warning, uh, a very stark warning in the book of Hebrews, uh, warning where we, d- we can just be ones that discard the word of God and, and continue on almost willfully volunteering uh, for our own way. And in a sense, as we go our own way, discard the word, volunteer for the judgment of God. A very sobering passage uh, as we come out of it. But we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, a very familiar passage uh, if you've spent any time in this book. uh, But yet, um, it covers so much ground. How do you preach it? Uh, We're going to kind of take a high-level view. And I encourage you to go back through and look at all the Old Testament references and the, the stories of God's people and the faithfulness of God Uh, to his people uh, throughout time. So we're going to look at Hebrews 11. Uh, We're going to read the first 16 verses together um, and then look at the whole chapter as we kind of go through. But would you stand as we just express our submission to the word of God? Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, Though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household, and by this he condemned the world, and and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went uh, to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And he was looking forward, or for he was looking forward to the city that has its foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. 
for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Let's pray. God, would you be with us as we look at your people throughout history? Uh, Father, yes, uh, ones that are commended for their faith, but Father, it's encouraging that in so many aspects of their life, they fell apart. So God, that their, their hope and their assurance and their conviction of what, might to, what is to come is not based on their goodness. Father, it is based on you as the faithful God. So Father, I pray that you would bolster our faith because of your faithfulness. God, help us to see what it is to be people of faith. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So we've been in this series called Called Out, and we were going to do a quick summary, but we'll save that for next week so that we uh, have time to truly do honor to this passage, or at least a little bit. But when we say the word faith, what is faith? We talked about it with the kids, that it is the idea of trusting God in the midst uh, of life. It is, uh, it is us um, believing, as Pete has said already a couple times, that God is who he says he is. Verse 3 would recount it like that, that faith is believing that God created and that he rewards those who draws who draw near. It's impossible to please God. And so if you are here to please God and you don't have faith, the scriptures say it is impossible to please God without faith. So you can't come to God on your own. You can't come to God uh, just trying to fix yourself up. You must come before him by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed. The ESV, the study Bible, if you look at the notes there, they, they say it this way, faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen but has been promised by God, will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. And so it's this assured confidence of the future, assured confidence in the promises of God. Faith is not about us. It is a trust and a firm belief in our God. So we've got to define some terms, by faith. So when we talk about faith, there are so many aspects of how we use that word that it can kind of be confusing, uh, you know. Um, and so first I want to establish um, that, you know, faith according to the scripture, saving faith, that, uh, that we are saved from death to life, from our sin and darkness into the life that Christ offers. Saving faith is the beginning point of any kind of, of us trusting God for situations in our life. So a lot of people think of, oh yeah, I have faith that God is going to get me through this difficult time. God's going to help me if you're a student on this test. Even though I didn't study, I have faith that God's going to help me, right? And, and so th- there's, a, there's an aspect of trusting in God for the difficult situation and in the t- trying time. That is not saving faith. That is not a faith that you can stake your eternity on. That is God is strong, God is able, and I'm going to trust him. That's very different than a saving faith. A saving faith is you emptying yourself 
of all bits of merit that you think you have, though the scriptures say you don't have any. And, and you empty yourself and, and place your trust and, and you rest in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, his death, his resurrection, so that you might be saved, so that you might be a child of God, you might have new life. And so if you have never come to that place where you have placed your faith, your trust, and that you receive Christ and you rest upon him alone for salvation, the rest of this chapter doesn't pertain to you. Now that's, that's harsh, but it's realistic from the scriptures. Because the idea of trusting in God for situations only finds its root in us emptying ourselves uh, towards God, that he has saved us, and then in, uh, as a result, and in uh, what flows from that is our trust of God in difficult situations and throughout this life. And so if you're saying, wait, I, don't, I haven't trusted in Christ, please don't check out. Hear of the goodness and the faithfulness of God to his people and allow that to draw you. Maybe today is the day of salvation. Maybe today you bow your knee, bow your, yourself before the Lord, and you trust in him for, uh, for salvation. And so when we talk about faith, by faith, there's so many aspects of this. We're going to look at, and Junie, I jumped about 20 slides ahead. Um, uh, but the, the first thing that we're going to look at is by faith, we trust God uh, for what we do not see. So faith, I don't know if you saw it or heard it many times. Faith and hope seem to be tied together. Uh, so we're trusting in God for what we do not see. And so the first verse there is that now faith is what? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so things that have not happened yet, things that you cannot visibly see in front of you, it, you have a conviction and an assurance, a confidence, and a certain hope in those things. Uh, so there's this sense of the unseen when it comes to faith. Uh, verse 7 that we read earlier talks about Moses. By fa- or, sorry, talks about Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God, concerning events as yet unseen. What's he talking about? He's talking about the flood that's going to come years later. Being warned about what is unseen, he instructs him uh, to construct an ark. So there's this aspect of seen and unseen. You know, you, you remember the, the, the verse, walk by faith, not by sight. And so it is us walking by faith, a trust in our God for things we can't see, have not happened yet, our, our promise to come, that's the aspect of faith, the aspect of our hope. Seen and unseen. What is seen uh, uh, in creation came from what is unseen. And so look at, look at verse 3. Even, even how this world came to be reflects this. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, not by a primordial soup exploding in a big bang. It came by the word of God and that alone. It didn't come out of something. So what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What we have here came by the power and the word of God. And so even at creation, what is seen or visible comes out of nothing 
Same thing with faith. What is, what, what, what is to come? What is promised? What is the thing that we hope for comes out of what we do not see? And, and so the rest of this chapter starts to list off people throughout the Old Testament that have found themselves living by faith. So we, uh, the first section after uh, the, just the introduction, you get to Abel, Enoch, and Noah in verses 4 to 7. These were commended for their faith. They were treated and counted as righteous. And we look at Abel. Uh, remember, Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. Uh, Abel was doing what? Abel was sacrificing and so is Cain. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is some sort of uh, payment for sin. And so we see Abel, the one who is counted and commended as righteous, sacrificing for his sin. And so right from the get-go, don't miss this, this is not the, the list of the best people that we should be like. Be like Abel. Be like Moses. Be like Noah. Be like Abraham. No, these are people who have sought to live by faith, yet still needed sacrifice for sin. It wasn't go be like these heroes of the faith, because if you know their life, you know, they were train wrecks in a lot of ways, right? Abel might be the most honorable among them. But the reality is, is even the best one listed in this, this whole thing needs a sacrifice for sin. So don't miss that. When you think of your idea of faith, don't miss that we are in desperate need of the grace of God. But yet, they were commended as righteous. Why? Why was Abel commended as righteous? Is because God commended him by accepting his gifts. So God accepted the gifts, God accepted his sacrifice, and even though he died, it says, Abel still speaks. And what is he speaking? He is speaking that you and I need a sacrifice for our sin. We need to rest on somebody else, and that even his sacrifice needed a fulfillment. So in chapter 10, we looked at the idea that, that the blood of bulls and goats, an animal sacrifice, was unable to take away sins. And so here's Abel sacrificing for his sin, and he's accepted as righteous in God's sight, yet the chapter right before said sacrifices of animals were unable to take away sin. So even the sacrifice of Abel was pointing to the day of Christ and fulfillment of that promise. And so animal sacrifices in the Old Testament foreshadow the idea uh, and the work of Jesus. And by it, by their faith, faith not just in a trust in God, but in their salvation coming from the grace of God found in Christ, these old, uh, these people of old received their commendation. What's interesting is that all throughout this passage, the aspects of the gospel are articulated. And when you read through Hebrews 11, catch how many times blood is mentioned. How many times sacrifices are mentioned uh, in, the, in the sense of celebrating the cross of Christ. But also, notice how many times resurrection, as we sang about earlier, is mentioned. And, we, and you see that um, in Abraham, uh, in a sense, it talks about receiving Isaac, even believing that God could raise him from the dead. Mothers receiving back their dead. The, 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 the cross and the resurrection are all over this passage. 
So it is not just a passage about us trusting God in difficult times. So summary concept, where are we uh, in this passage? Because I don't know about you, but as you read it, it's easy to get lost here. You're like, all right, what are all these different people talking about and all these different aspects of faith? Where we are is that um, verse 6 is a nice summary. It is impossible to please God without faith. We must trust that he is who he says he is. And so what does that look like? What does it look like to trust God for what we do not see? What's it look like to uh, see that come to fruition in our life? Look at verse 22, okay? Um, I love the, the picture of Joseph in this passage. So we didn't read it earlier, so let's, let's look at it now. It says, By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Okay? Well, that's a weird thing to include in the hall of faith. So by faith, Joseph, when he's about to die, uh, he basically talks about the exodus and his bones. So how long before uh, the exodus did Joseph die? Well, remember, they're in slavery for 400 years after Joseph. And so uh, for slavery for 400 years, Joseph was speaking of God's people coming out of Egypt 400 years later, and he gave directions concerning his bones. What was that direction is in Genesis chapter 50, okay? This is after, um, after uh, his brothers and he are, are reunited. In Genesis 50 verse 25, then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear this. He said, or he's speaking to his brothers. You know, he says, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. Okay? So obviously these brothers were not going to be the ones that would actually carry him. But their descendants after them would carry the bones of Joseph up to the land uh, that God had promised. Then we get to Exodus 13, the people coming out of Egypt. This is 400 years later. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. So on his death, he's looking towards the faithfulness and the goodness and the salvation of God. Then, for 400 years, they keep his bones around. I mean, I'm not trying to be crass. It's just a, an amazing depiction and picture of the faithfulness of God. This, uh, even, even Joseph, after he, has, uh, after he has died and gone on from this earth, he is still speaking to the faithfulness and goodness of God. And so Moses, and they carry his bones across uh, the Red Sea, and then they carry his bones across the River Jordan. Uh, and then in Joshua 24, when they actually take the land, uh, and for the bones of Joseph which uh, the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the place, in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money, and it became an inheritance to the descendants of Joseph. And so here's this picture of God, or of Joseph, trusting in the heart of God for basically hundreds of years after. By faith, Hebrews 11 says, by faith, 
Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. The reality of faith is that we trust God for what we do not see, yet what he has promised. Okay, that's the nature of faith. And so, uh, kind of, let's build on our summary of where we're coming from, is verse 1 is an assurance or a conviction of things not seen. Verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so let's keep tracking. So then by faith, we believe that the promise of God is of greater value than the promise of this world. And pretty much the rest of the chapter kind of hinges off of, off of this in that by faith we believe the God who promised is the one who is faithful. We saw it in verse 8 with Abraham. He went out from his home, homeland, from his, from his country that he grew up in, to a country that he did not know. Verse, verse 9, what does it say about Isaac and Jacob uh, that they were heirs with him of that same promise. So God promises Abraham a land and he leaves his home country. Isaac and Jacob are following him in the same promise. Verse 10 gets us to a summary statement of what faith looks like. For he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has its foundations, whose builder or designer and builder is God. So what is faith? Yes, it's looking at things that's God's promise, but yet we don't see. But it is this aspect of us looking forward. Faith is, uh, is looking, you, you catch the words, there's uh, the word inheritance, the phrase it's a land of promise and that they're looking forward to these things. Faith is about the future. Yes, at some point, if you're in Christ, you trusted in, in him and your salvation rests on him. Yet, faith ought to be forward-looking. Your faith uh, of your future and how God will determine it changes how you live now. So these people were not just looking, at, looking forward, but the way they looked forward changed what they did right now. Abraham leaves his home country. Isaac and Jacob continue to follow him. They say, you know what? Our hope is not found back home. Our hope is found in following God. Faith, uh, in verse 12, uh, I love how Sarah is mentioned here in verse 12, or sorry, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Even though she was 90 when she conceived for her firstborn son or for, or for Isaac, even though uh, that, uh, that she was well past age, she considered God is that he was faithful and he was the one who had promised. Faith is not fate. Our culture loves to talk about fate. Faith is not fate. Just whatever will be, will be. You know, a fatalism uh, aspect and look at life. Faith is trust in a personal God. The one who promises is the one who is faithful. The promise of God. And so your faith must be in God, not just in a, a hope 
or a, a certain outcome for the future. And so where are we? Is that uh, there's an assurance, a conviction. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's a looking forward and a consideration that he is the one who is faithful. So by faith, we consider the promise of God of greater value than the promise of this world. And if you think about your life, what are the things in this world that just call towards you, that, that you feel and that I tend to buy into as well, that this is what my hope is in? We live in suburban, semi-affluent America, and our hope is in our retirement account. And we're going to stockpile, and, and so that one day when, we're, uh, when we get to whatever age we want to retire, and we're going to retire, and we're going to live the good life, and if I have retirement, I'm, I feel comfortable, but if I don't have my retirement fixed, I feel uncomfortable. My hope, what is it, can easily be in finance. And when it's awry, or when there's any kind of uh, anything there that questions that, isn't it amazing that the things of this world feel like they are more hope than the promises of God. And faith says, you know what? I'm going to trust in God's word and what I do not see rather than the promise of hope that is right in front of me. By faith, we long for something far better than this world. Hear these verses in 13 to 16 again. Because, like, this is us living in this world. These all died in faith, meaning Abel, Noah, uh, um, Abraham, uh, Enoch, all of these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus or speak like this, meaning that we are strangers and exiles, people that speak like that, what do they say? They make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had gone out from, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And because of that, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared for them a city. And so when we say we long for something far better than the world, Ultimately, we are like the people of old that are seeking a better, a better country, seeking a homeland, and we're seeking the city that God has prepared for us. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I, and when I do, I'm going to come back for you. And our hope is found in the promise of God, is that we are strangers and exiles on this earth and in this world that God is bringing about a better place, a better homeland, and a better city. How does that change how we live? How does that change what you do tomorrow when you go to work? What does that do tomorrow when the kids are very difficult and, you know, you feel like you want to, you know what, I'm kind of at the place of, you know, just cashing it in, check, uh, I want to check out. I'm, I, you know, this is just too hard. You are a stranger and an exile in this world. This, as the world is constructed, is not uh, the home by which is our hope. Moses would treat it like this in verses 23 to 26. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents 
because they saw that the child was beautiful and that they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. What does it say? Moses, uh, though he had the kingdom of Egypt in front of him, he said, you know what? Following God is of worth much greater value. And what's really interesting about that, 23 to 26, what things were, were talked about about not being afraid? Afraid was mentioned twice. So his parents were not afraid, and he was not afraid. His parents were not afraid of the king's edict, basically, to kill all the newborn Israelites, uh, or all the boys. Uh, But also, Moses was not afraid of the king's anger. And basically, not being afraid of what could happen in this life caused them to actually live by faith in their God and trust him as they went through He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated. He considered and gave up the treasures of Egypt so that he could be aligned with Christ. Why? Because the promises of God were of greater value than the things of this world. And so kind of in summary, uh, now we're we're at assurance, a conviction of what we don't see. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Looking forward, we consider God faithful, and then we add this one in uh, in our understanding of faith from 13 and 16, uh, that we are strangers and exiles on earth, and that they are, or, or that they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And what's also really interesting, and I am totally running out of time, um, is that by faith, uh, we do Uh, that the typical assumptions of this world don't determine our path. What I mean is by faith, we choose an alternate way than the way that the world says things ought to work. The gospel flips things on its head. You see in in verse 21 with Jacob, we were going to go there, we don't have time. With Jacob, uh, in him blessing the sons of Joseph. Go read Genesis 48. By faith, Jacob blesses Joseph's sons. He basically turns the order of the world upside down. You're supposed to bless the oldest, and he gets the blessing, and the youngest gets, you know, kind of like a secondary blessing. And Jacob switches his hands, much to the displeasure of Joseph. He says, I know. I know what the world says, but by faith, the younger is going to be greater than the older. By faith, Jacob blessed sons. By faith, God turns the order of this world upside down. By faith, God promises what you uh, in, in my eyes cannot see. By faith, God pushes against the health and wealth gospel that this world says is what uh, trusting God is. What is the health and wealth? Is that if you trust in God, you will be successful. If you trust in God, God's going to give you prosperity. If you trust in God, you're going to be, you're going to make it. And some people in this passage actually experienced that. Look at verses 33 to 35. Some people experienced 
They conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of the fire. They escaped the edge of the sword and were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war, put armies to flight, and women received back their dead by resurrection. Some people experience that by faith. But the next part of that verse uh, is the sobering part for American Christianity. By faith, the second half of verse 35. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves on the earth. Wait a second. That's not how it's supposed to work. I believe in God, and he gives me the life I want. But that's not, that's not the, the faith of the God of the Bible. Often we see the, God, the people of God following in the suffering of Jesus. Some experience uh, real blessing and, and see real conquering. Others experience the, the trials and the difficulties of this world. But why would we say, continue to trust? Why would God say, that is, that's what you hold on to when things are falling apart, relationships and finances and, and difficult things? What ought we re- hold on to is that God is faithful regardless of situation. God is faithful even when his people are suffering mistreatment. Why? Look at verse 39 to 40. This is the great promise. Because if God had given the people uh, fully, completely, the fulfillment of the promise for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Noah, then you and I would have received nothing. Verse 39 and 40. All these, though commended through their faith, They did not receive what was promised. It's still to come in its fullness for many of them. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Basically, the completeness of God's promise could not come to them without us. He's writing to people who are right now in the midst of persecution that that the fullness and the completion of God's promises to his people, the completion of what we do not see, cannot come with the generations of God's people to come. We often talk about having a generational vision uh, for your life, not just your kids, but your grandkids, your great-grandkids, generations to come. So here's the amazing thing. By faith, we can have that. Because what our life sits on is the faithfulness of our God. That though we may not receive fully the promise of God in this life, it's for the blessing and the benefit of generations to come that they might experience that along with us. God had provided something better for us. That's why he did not fully complete the promises to people of old. We may not see the fullness of promise right now, but yet we long for a better homeland and a better country. Are you feeling what the the effects of the tangible are? The difficulty of the things right in front of you? 
God is saying, look to what you do not see, because in that you will find hope by faith. We live as people in this world, though uh, we believe that the promise of God is of greater value than the promise of this world. Let's pray. God, uh, would you take your word, would you take this chapter that is just massive in its, uh, its coverage of your work and your people, God, encourage us. God, the things that we can see that are so tangibly right in front of us, they are not our hope. Father, help us to see that what your promise is in your word and what you will bring about, God, that is our hope. Father, in this life and also for eternity, God, that you would set things right. And God, we hope in that. We, we long for a better, uh, a, a, a better homeland, a better place, a better, uh, um, a better inheritance. God, we, we know that you are of greater value than what is promised in this world. But Father, it's amazing how my heart says the opposite. So God, be with us in that. Convince us of that. And God, by your word, I pray that you would change us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.